Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of our RiseCast podcast. Um, we're going to be going into uh, a bunch of different things, but uh, mainly why we like the Adventist Church. Uh, I am joined here by Connie, so say hello, Connie. Hello. And uh, well, let's get started. Um, it's been a few since uh, our last podcast. And, um, well, let's see. Where, where have we been? We've had a lot of stuff going on. We have. Uh, let's see. There's been sickness. Yes. Uh, we've been gone. Uh, we were actually... Well, I'll wait. I'll wait to go into that one. But uh, we just want to give a shout out. Uh, we actually have some friends over the Great Atlantic Pond uh, actually listening to the podcast. So hello to our friends in England and uh, and Pakistan. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Um, I actually was just looking over uh, the statistics here. And uh, we have... Josh is a stats guy, so... We have 3,000 downloads already. Praise the Lord. That's amazing. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, And just looking over, you know, I would suspect that most of our our listeners would be in Georgia, but uh, only about half, just a little over half. We've got listeners uh, back up north in Wisconsin, Virginia... South Carolina, Pennsylvania, Colorado, and North Carolina. So uh, we're kind of we're we're starting to spread around here. That's awesome! Praise the Lord! That's that's exciting stuff. So um, nothing from my home state, huh? Nothing from Ohio. What the hey, Ohio? <laughs> Get in the keep, game. <laughs> yeah, keep those Buckeyes back. <laughs> but. Uh, um, for those of you that do listen on a regular basis, uh, we would love to hear from you. Um, you know, just shoot us a line, just letting us know uh, who out there is listening. Um, you can email us at projectrisecast at gmail.com. <laughs> a little premature there. So, let's see, uh, where have we been? Um, this past weekend, we took the, uh, the great pilgrimage up to Chattanooga, Tennessee, actually Collegedale, Tennessee to be exact, to uh, the Collegedale SDA Church uh, put on their sunrise... Their 22nd annual. 22nd annual uh, sunrise pageant. And uh, for those that have not been able to go... It will not disappoint. It's a must-see. It is a must-see. It is very hard to get tickets, though. You basically have to know somebody there. Right. Or wait in line at 5 a.m. at the local grocery store. Sacrifice your firstborn. Sacrifice your firstborn. (laughs) This is an Abraham. (laughs) But uh, I have to give give props. Um, You know, I remember years ago watching... The Passion of the Christ, when that came out, um, we got tickets from a church, and that was probably the most moving movie on the subject of the crucifixion and life of Jesus Christ that I'd ever seen. 
so much that I honestly didn't want to see it again. It was it was that vivid, and so I've I've kind of laid low on that one, and I, I have to give props to the College Dale Church because going through what they had, it it was it puts you in the scene of the last few days of Jesus's life. Even down to like the smells, like they have the livestock and well, first, first you see, I don't want to ruin it too much for anyone who has not been, but I mean the first, not the first thing you see, but after you leave the sanctuary scene, the very first part, you see the leper colony and then the livestock. So you smell the livestock and then there's people making bread and um, there's the blacksmiths and... Um, the street, do, the streets yeah, of Jerusalem. Yeah, the marketplace. It's mm-hmm. it's the streets of Jerusalem. So it's all the sights and the smells. So it's it's like being set in that time. And, and you know, I have to give props to how well they casted. Yes. Because the guy that played Jesus looked, acted just how I would envision him. Um, there was a, a section um, after he had marked or had ridden through on the donkey. On the donkey, um, before the Lord's Supper, he was kind of off to the side, meeting with all of the children. Yeah, as as we've heard that he often did, and to see my kids interact with him, it was it was almost surreal. Yeah, they loved it. And they they loved it. It was you know very friendly, down to earth, and um, you know all throughout you know even to the point because you know obviously this this was about the crucifixion, so going through all the events that led up to the crucifixion and finally the resurrection, it was it was quite the quite the experience. I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. And if you say that your eyes were dry, I'm gonna You're a liar. You're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> it's very moving. It's just it's very powerful. It is. So if you ever have the opportunity to go, I, I know that um, our pastor up in Wisconsin um, basically said that we had to go at some point in our life, and, and I would recommend that. Um, and if you can't, I know they've filmed it, and I believe they sell DVDs, and, and it's, 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 worth, it's worth it in person. But Yes. Um, you won't be disappointed, that's No, for sure. you will not be disappointed. And, and it's free. Um, let's see, moving, how do we move on from the resurrection of Jesus? Well, let's, that's, let's just that's go. A, that's like a trump card right it, there. That is a trump card. <laughs> and we're not talking Donald no. Trump. Um, For any the, Uno lovers out there, or uh, uh, apples to apples. There you go. But uh, let's go with what, what current events have gone on. Um, we've had... We've always had a traffic problem here in Atlanta, but we've—I—I I, I swear that uh, Atlanta swear, did. Well, I, no, <laughs> not literally swearing, but I think Atlanta heard it was eighth on the list for worst traffic in the world, and I don't think it was content with that. I think it wants that number one spot. These roads are collapsing, like the Atlanta Falcons did in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. 
Ooh, I think our. <laughs> I, just I think threw I, down. I, I think our Georgia <laughs> listeners have just dropped off. <laughs> Sorry, as it's a okay. Packer fan, we're, I had we're to Packer throw them fans, there. and and the Falcons <laughs> trounced us. So, but uh, let's see. We had the I eighty five bridge, bridge collapse. There was the train bridge that there was like a fire underneath that. We had this just this morning. A bunch of toxic waste spill all over the interstate. There was the tomahawks. Yes. <laughs> On the, the, for the home opener of the Braves, the <laughs> truck that held all the foam tomahawks, <laughs> what, tipped over or something? And I they, don't know what happened, but there was they, foam tomahawks all over. They spilled all over the 285. freeway. 285. Was it 285? Yep. And uh, we had the freeway blow up today. Just yes. buckled. There was a natural, or I think it was natural gas leak. There was a gas leak underneath I-20 and, yeah. So, Please pray for those people because that was a serious, exactly. serious I, accident. Well, you know, and, you know, just, it's a headache logistically just getting people around town now. I'm a little nervous. I got to be at the airport on Friday and I don't know. Well, hopefully the... There's enough freeway left. It's crazy out there. It's crazy out there. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, one of our favorite topics has always been Atlanta United, who still is playing on the road. Quality. On the road, we had two strong draws on the road, mm-hmm. and sadly, over the weekend, suffered our first loss to Montreal. But. Uh, not without some uh, conspiracy theories on that one. There's just some. We've I mean, had three red cards in six games. Yeah. I, now I've, the first one, we were there at that game, and I'll I'll give you that one. Okay, it may have been kind of. Mm, well, but I'll give you that one. That was two yellows that led into a red. Right. I, the you know we had, just flat out red cards. I mean, I played soccer for five years, and I saw one red card in my entire career playing soccer. Yeah. Atlanta's got a red card problem. (laughs) I I think the MLS has a red card problem. I mean, looking at the second red card, they said he threw an elbow at the opposing player, but he he wasn't throwing it up defensively he was just trying to get around him it was a swim move it was a swim move it wasn't any there wasn't anything that he was he wasn't trying to hurt the guy from the different replays we've seen i haven't seen the third red card but i hear it's it's scandalous maybe we just need to play in shackles but uh, nonetheless, it was a loss. Um, should have been a draw at best. It's tough when you're down a man. It is. Um, and what, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but when you get a red card, you can't play the next the game. next game. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a big deal. It, yeah. So you not only lose that player for the rest of the game, you lose them for the next game as well. Correct. Um, Atlanta Braves finally had their home opener at the brand new shiny SunTrust Park. Mm-hmm. And right now we are on a three-game winning streak. 
and they are playing for hopefully what is going to be the sweep of these San Diego Padres. Yes, we're hoping. Which the last I heard, they were they were up. They were up three to one the last time I checked. You keep chatting, and I'll I'll double check on the score. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay because this isn't going to be broadcast live. Oh, top of the eighth, they're down four to three. Come on, Braves. Get your rally caps on. Get the rally caps on. But uh, I know that we are both excited to be able to see the brand new ballpark. Um, we love Turner Field, but the pictures that I've seen of SunTrust Park, it looks it looks like it tops Turner Field. Well, and the, for those who don't know, actually a lot of people don't know, but um, baseball is baseball and hockey are my two favorite, followed very closely by soccer. But um, baseball is top for me because my dad worked for the Cleveland Indians. He was part of that organization for many years. Um, he also helped out with um, the hockey team at the time, Just the Barons. Before. Explain what your father did for the Indians. He was um, the ball man for the Cleveland Indians, which mean, which meant he got to rub down the baseballs with the mud that they get. There's a special clay-like mud that they get from New Jersey that they rub on the balls to make them a little bit more abrasive so that they have grip to them when the pitcher throws them. So my dad would... They don't do it anymore. They don't have ball men anymore. They come out pre rubbed down, I guess you could say. But that's what my dad would do. He would sit there kind of like off to the side of the catcher. And in fact, when my dad was doing it, uh, Ray Fossey was the catcher for the Cleveland Indians at the time. Um, So he would sit kind of back by Ray. And there's actually a picture that my dad's friend, my dad's friend was a photographer and he got a picture of Ray Fossey actually tripping over my dad as he was going for a foul ball behind home plate. But that's why I love baseball. Bartman style, huh? Yes. <laughs> and my dad was just sitting there, and he just, Ray Fossey couldn't see where he was going, and kind of, he still, I think he still got the foul ball. But. Now, I have to set the scene here, because obviously I didn't know Connie's father uh, at that time, but he had these pretty sweet, like, brown and yellow and orange plaid He pants. was all about the plaid. He had... Yes. I mean, it was like Bob Uecker right out of yes. Major League. Yes. Harry Doyle. Yes. That was my dad. <laughs> yep. It was it was awesome. He rocked those in the 70s. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait. to. I know that we have plans to go for sure in September, but I know that we'll go sooner. But it's, it's a pretty nice looking ballpark. Yeah, I'm hoping sooner than later. But we went to the Gwinnett Braves. We went to the Gwinnett Braves home opener. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was 49 degrees, <laughs> and it felt like being in Milwaukee again. <laughs> uh, the Gwinnett Braves didn't start out so hot, but actually had the go-ahead run at the plate mm-hmm. in the bottom of the ninth, but uh, didn't pull it off. But it was, it was still a fun. Ten. Yeah. It's I mean, bit. they were down what 10 to 4 at one point 10 to 3 10 to 3 mm-hmm. and came back within two so yes against uh, the the uh, durham bulls but i don't care who you are it, just being out there on opening day is is pretty cool so yeah there's something special about opening day it's like no other um 
I'm going to throw over to Connie because uh, one of the Braves pitchers, uh, R.A. Dickey, uh, who got his first win of the season the other night, um, had a little testimony that Connie actually shared with me, but uh, I'll let her talk about that. Yeah, there's, um, if if anyone has never heard of it, it's called I Am Second, and it, it, um, it's, it allows different celebrities or baseball players or whoever else to come forward with their testimony about how Jesus changed their life. And so R.A. Dickey's story is is a must-see. We'll post it um, on the website after this podcast so that anyone can see it if they want to. It will be on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash rise for Jesus. And that is the number four. Thank you, Josh. Um, so R.A. Dickey was, just a quick little backstory. he um, was actually abused, sexually abused growing up. Um, and so he talks about how the abuse, it all stemmed from um, his parents' divorce, and then he was abused, and then how he battled um, suicide. He was actually suicidal, but sports was something that he was very, very good at, um, and so he, he loved pitching, so he got into pitching, and then how he struggled through pitching. And he's actually um, a full-time knuckleball pitcher, and that's how it was actually Oral Hershiser that um, helped him really reel in on the knuckleball. So he's a full-time knuckleball pitcher, which I believe he's the only one in baseball that is the full-time knuckleball pitcher so um no, the only full-time knuckler that won a Cy Young that won a Cy Young I mean it's that's amazing so um but yeah it will like I said we'll post it his story is just amazing but he goes into how he completely surrendered his life to Jesus and now he's just sharing his testimony with others to not give up hope and um how incredible the God is that we serve so that the the Lord can take anything that happens in our lives and and turn beauty from ashes. So, yeah, and like Connie said, these uh, I am second. It's kind of like a video cast kind of thing, mm-hmm. but there are several episodes out there, and they're very well put together. Yes, and uh, I, I, I they're moving. Seen, I haven't they're, seen a bad one yet. Yeah, they're very moving. <clears throat> Well, moving on, um, we haven't had a Connie's Tender Bit in a while. We haven't. So, so I think without further ado, uh, here is Connie's Tender Bit. Cue up the music. <laughs> So this story is about um, a girl that was, is um, homeless and pregnant in a big city. Um, It just so happened that there was a group of people who um, went into this city and they were um, literature evangelists that were spreading the gospel and the love and the truth um, of Jesus Christ. And they stumbled upon this girl um, it was it was two women that were passing out these books, and they stumbled upon this girl, and the girl ran up to them and said, what are you passing out? And the, the two ladies 
um, said to her, we're passing out books about Jesus. Um, and she's like, well, can I have, you know, can I have those books? And the ladies said to her, which ones would you like? And the girl was like, well, can I have all of them? And they were like, of course. So they ended up having a conversation um, and talking, finding out that the, the, this girl was about um, two and a half months pregnant, um, battling um, addiction. Um, she had been clean for a while, but um, still smoking. It was something that she wanted to overcome, but she was, she was pregnant and homeless. Um, so these two ladies took her uh, to get something to eat and um, stayed in contact with her. Um, and it was a good thing that they had met her that day because later on um, the, the girl was also obviously being homeless and pregnant, um, having abandonment issues, past drug issues. Um, she just really needed someone supportive in her life because she had felt very alone um, and abandoned. So uh, the ladies continued to reach out to her and um, come to find out that she was trying to get a job. So they, they were trying to help her find a job. And uh, praise the Lord, she was able to find a job. But shortly after, um, because of a misunderstanding at the job, she then lost her job. Um, and her family life, she actually was able to stay with her mom for a little while. Um, but her mom is very abusive verbally to this girl. Um, so with everything that was going on with her personal life, with losing her job, um, she ended up relapsing and overdosing that night um, and called the, the one girl that um, she was in contact with, one of the literature evangelists, and said, um, I'm in the hospital right now. I don't really know what to do. I relapsed last night. I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, she kept apologizing to the girl, um, as, as, uh, to the woman, like as though she needed to apologize to her. And um, so after talking a little bit, kind of like she talked her down off the ledge and said, you know, let's try and get you a job again. Um, but fast forward to after talking for a little while, um, she ended up relapsing again and, and calling this woman uh, while this woman was out of town. And so when this woman prayed, she was just like, Lord, just put people in my path that can help her because I can't, I, can't, I can't physically help her right now. Um, and so there were other people that the Lord just put in her mind to help and um, they were obedient to God's will. And, and so there were people from other churches, area churches that helped out in the situation. Um, and now this, this young lady, uh, actually just today, um, found she was able to get into a place called, um, can I talk about where she's at? It's, it's a place called Shelter and Grace where she is, um, able to go and get the help that she needs, um, the mentorship that she needs to just build her up spiritually and physically and mentally, um, hopefully help her to find a job find sustainable living, help her to um, just get herself back again um, and doing it while also showing her the love of Christ um, and pointing her to truth and finding grace through, um, through God's promises. So um, 
that's that's the happy story but if this sounds familiar to you it's because um, it's a girl that uh, my friend Nikki and I met when we were at five points um, and this girl is I just I this for me this is a shout out to um, Pastor Matt in Marietta um, and to the um, this a church near uh, Dunwoody Advent Hope um, Jason Labrador and um, Raleigh, I just want to thank you guys, Brother Sykes, um, for reaching out to Ashley. I, I was obviously up in College Dallas last weekend when um, when this girl relapsed again, and I got a, a call. Pastor Matt actually helped bring her to her interview um, for the the shelter for homeless women, um, and so I want to thank him for that. And then she reached out to him again when she relapsed, and then. Um, Jason stepped in and was able to pick her up when I was out of town um, and bring her back to the church. And it just so happened that at the church, they were there. Look, if I can go into it, um, Jason, his church was actually having a medical missionary training session that weekend at the church. And so Jason was really excited about going. And then I called him and said hey can you help me out there's a girl that I need you to if you can help I would love for you to help because I'm all the way up in Tennessee and praise the Lord Jason stepped in went and picked her up um, after she I mean like when I talked to her she was just in a really bad place she was suicidal um, she just didn't have the strength to do it anymore and I I just prayed with her and I said Ashley you don't have to be strong enough you don't have to worry about being strong enough in your weakness, um, God's strength is made perfect, and I just need you to just give me one more day, and then tomorrow we're going to talk again, and you'll get, you know, I'll just ask you to give me just another day. And so um, Jason stepped in, picked her up, brought her back to the church, and it just turns out that they were talking in, in medical missionary about reaching out to people, and then Ashley put their faith and everything that they learned into action. Um, and so every single person that helped at Advent Hope, uh, Pastor Matt at Marriott, I just want to thank you all um, for helping this girl. Um, and she is now in a very, I pray, I know I just pray that she's in a very good place. And this place is, help, is able to help her to um, not only to live life, but to thrive. I just want her to thrive. So that's my tender bit. It just, it. I wanted to share that because um, I know there are some people out there that was that have been wondering what has happened to this girl, and um, there's been some bumps in the road. But I can um, come forward now and say that she's um, after having a weekend at Advent Hope and with our brothers and sisters in Christ there, um, she she has hope again. Um, she was very jovial the last time I talked to her, which when I talked to her on Sabbath morning. She was very down. She was very depressed. She was at the end of her rope. When I talked to her this morning, it was like a completely different girl. And so, praise God, I just want to thank all my brothers and sisters out there that helped. So, and I think that was the perfect, another reason I want to talk about that is because it kind of uh, segues into why we love the Adventist Church. So, Connie, I'll let you lead off. Why do you love the Adventist Church? 
why do I love the Adventist church? Um, well, first I'll just say this. I, I know that in our last podcast, we said we were going to talk about something else, but I actually looked at Josh after our last podcast and I was like, man, I feel like we've been so negative lately. Let's talk about something positive. Um, and after something like that happened this weekend, um, one of the things that I love about the Adventist church, um, is, is our main source of everything is, is the Bible. It's Jesus. Everything points to Christ and everything that happened over the weekend and how we all work together. It was like just seeing Christ in action. Um, and for people who know, for people who know me, they, I struggle with, um, with religion. I struggle with the confines of religion. I struggle with man's law, but I don't struggle with God's law because God's law is, it's not as condemning as man's lies like man puts so many different laws on things where like even when you look at the sabbath and other people want to dictate what you can and cannot do on on the sabbath where i you know i look at god and i feel like he just impresses upon your heart Mm, that's probably not the best thing to be doing but he doesn't do it like to condemn you it's just like a it's in a loving way um but I, I love that the Adventist church, like one of the things that I was, that the Lord showed me this weekend was that camaraderie, that kind of, I could call some people that I had met through literature evangelism. Um, and these were all people that I, I had met, like Nikki, uh, Jason, Raleigh. Um, there were a lot of people that I had just met just going out and sharing books with people about Jesus that... Um, I was then able to connect with um, and use as resources to to help this girl in a time of need. Um, so I love that networking that goes on within our church, and I pray that that continues. I think it needs to happen more in our churches. Um, this is just an, a great example of why we shouldn't be necessarily competing with our brothers and sisters in another church. We should be working together, and this weekend was the perfect example of that. One thing that I really like about the Adventist Church, and it's not one that I wouldn't think someone would bring it to mind, but we have in the Adventist Church, during our communion services, what's called the Ordinance of Humility. And the translation of that is foot washing. Um, As we read accounts of the last supper Jesus washed the feet of all the disciples even though they were going to and he knew they were going to turn their backs on him um you know foot washing was a you know before it became a ceremonial thing it was what you what happened when you went to somebody's house you were you know, it was desert. You got your feet dirty because you wore sandals. You didn't have your, didn't have Nikes then. <laughs> and um, so the host of the house would wash your feet before you went into the house. And, you know, I will say from experience, it is very humbling yes. to wash somebody else's feet. 
whether it's your spouse, whether it's your friend, your brother, or or a stranger. Or someone that you need to reconcile with. Exactly. And, you know, that was the example Jesus was setting. So I like the meaning behind the foot washing ceremony. And, you know, it may not always be the most favorite and remembered thing, but it's one that I think has more meaning yes. than, than, the, than the communion service itself. I remember I was in a Bible study at, um, with our friend Julie. I was at her church's Bible study, and she's non-denominational, more Baptist. Well, actually, I think, yeah, Fellowship is Baptist, isn't it? It's a Baptist church. We were doing a ladies' Bible study together, and they had brought up the ordinance of foot washing, the ordinance of humility. And they were talking about foot washing. And um, I'd mentioned like, oh, we do that at our church. And everyone kind of looked at me like, really? That's awesome. Like they, most churches don't, don't do it. And they were actually very interested. They wanted to know more. They were asking a lot of questions. And I was just like, it's, it's like what you said. It's a very humbling experience. It's when you think of someone's feet, like you're just like, uh, I don't really want to touch their feet. So, I mean, like you really need to humble yourself in order to to do foot washing. It's very, it's, it's very intimate. It's just. It is. Uh, well, and, and you have to be secure in yourself. Well, you have to remember to cut your toenails beforehand. <laughs> and uh, the black fuzz that usually... <laughs> is around the bowl but uh, but yes it, it is a very intimate setting and uh the meaning behind it like i said i i really i really do enjoy that about the adventist church yes um another thing is i'm gonna give a shout out to the atlanta korean church because they just had their resurrection 5k on sunday but i love the as, as some people can take it very extreme, but I do love the health message of our church. I love that we look at our body as being a temple. And if you do not take good care of your temple, you know, the, it's very difficult for the Holy Spirit to reside there. It's very difficult to have clear thinking. And so, um, once again, like, I love that Atlanta Korean um, is, is doing something like a 5K that um, it's, it brings community together as well. It's a, it's another way to have community. And another way that we have community is, I know that there are some churches that do this, but a lot of, if not all Adventist churches, there's at least potluck at least once a month where we are coming together and getting together and eating together. Like things happen. I don't care who you are. Things happen over food. Conversations happen over food. And so when you've got food and people sitting together, um, beautiful conversations can come from that and you just walls come down barriers come down so isn't that olive gardens theology when you're here you're family shameless plug <laughs> shameless plug to our local olive garden <laughs> um back on what i was talking about one thing that i do enjoy is that most churches I've been to, but I believe it's, it's I think all Adventist churches, um, host open communion. I love open communion. And, and that means it doesn't matter if you are visiting and you are a Baptist, atheist, Buddhist, Muslim. It doesn't matter. You are welcome to partake 
in the communion service and all that it represents. Um, you know, being part of the sunrise pageant, uh, I should say participating in the part in, in the pageant, you know, it gives you a whole new meaning of the last supper, um, what it meant and being able to put yourself in that scene, I, I think will make communion that much I guess more, more, in, meaningful. In, more meaningful. Yes. yes, exactly. Well, when, I mean, I, I grew up Catholic and, um, I remember when I was very young, I was probably about five. Um, my grandmother came to town. It was actually around Easter. Um, and so we went to the, we went to church on Sunday morning and it was communion. So my mom and my grandmother lined up to, um, get the Eucharist and, my grandmother, you know, got communion and then my mom did and then she was holding me and I said, oh, I want that, you know, because they said this is the body of Christ given to you. And I was like, I want Jesus. And the priest was like, no, because the priest knew that I had not had, I'd not gone through catechism and, and communion. And so I was told that I could not have it. And that was the last time my mom stepped into a Catholic church and I cried. I cried because I was, I felt like I was denied Jesus, even at a very young age to be told, no, you can't have that. You're not ready for that yet. Um, And it it may be taboo for some, but our children participate in communion at church. Um, Our children wash each other's feet. Um, It's something that I just, we explain it to them that, um, this is a time for you to to reconcile with each other. Anything that you were upset about that happened during the week between our two children, we we ask them to forgive each other. Um, and I just I I'm glad you brought up communion because even our children participate in it, and they may not completely understand it, but I never want them to be uncomfortable, and I never want them to feel like how I felt growing up, like I couldn't take a part of something that I was segregated or left out. You know, the the whole closed communion aspect. I remember one time uh, I was seeing a girl and she was Catholic. And, you know, I had been a regularly attending Adventist probably since I was maybe 11, 12 years old. So I'm now 22-ish. And uh, I remember sitting there, and out of respect for the church, I wasn't going to to partake in it anyways. But I remember before I had a chance to even say or act, she turned to me and basically said I wasn't qualified to take communion. Now, I, I was a baptized member of the Adventist church. I had gone through numerous communion services, and it was, it was more or less... It, I don't know. It it didn't sit well with me that, oh, by the way, um, even though you may be a member of your church, yeah, yeah, you you just, you can't do it here. Right. And I don't, it's not like we're we're bashing um, the Catholic church. No, absolutely not. It's just one thing that I, it's it's just an opinion of you that I hold. I think it should, Jesus Christ died for all. Yes. He died for all. 
And so I don't believe that anyone should be denied Jesus. Absolutely not. Ever. Um, one thing that I is fairly unique to the Adventist Church. Um, I wouldn't say exclusive because there are some others, but prophecy. Yes. Adventists study prophecy like no other. Um, going through numerous things of Daniel and linking it to Revelation, how things link to current events. It's fascinating because it it causes you, I'm a big history buff, so it causes you to go back in Earth's history and link up things that are in the Bible. And it's it's not like, oh, uh, plus or minus a few years here. It's pretty exact. It's very accurate. It's very accurate. So going through the signs of the times and all that it's it's very fascinating especially when you look at to you know you start at earth's beginning and take it all throughout history and see milestones that have happened in i don't want to say recent history because obviously like the 1700s isn't recent history but things that have happened down the way and how they relate to the timelines of things that are in Daniel and Revelation. It, it's it's very fascinating. And to me, helps validate believing in the Bible. Right. Because it, it, to me, it, it would be awfully hard to fake history and the Bible. Right. And a lot of people don't realize that um, when you look at Earth's history and what um, what history tells us, and then we look at the Bible like they're they're exactly the same chronologically. Like it it matches. Um, it just you need to do the research for yourself, and you need to see it for yourself. Don't just I mean, like I really think that if people were to go out and do the research for the, it's it's like what you said. It's very fascinating when you look at um, things that that have happened on this earth. Like, for instance, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar, and you look at um, how it, I mean, like, they completely... The, when, the big idol. The big idol. And you look at it starting with Babylon, you know, and then it goes through Medo-Persia and then Greece and then Rome. And the Bible predicted how that was all going to play out. And Daniel, like, these countries had not existed yet. Mm-hmm. And predicted when they would rise yes, and fall. and when they would fall. And how they would fall. Mm-hmm. So I encourage anybody out there that uh, is not well-versed in, uh, in Bible prophecy, uh, go to, I think, uh, amazingfacts.com is probably one of, the, one of my favorites. Is it .com or .org? Is it? Maybe it probably is .com. I'm sorry to confuse If you me. search Amazing Facts you'll Prophecy, find you'll, you'll yeah. find it. But uh, that's a very good, easy-to-go-through Bible prophecy uh, Bible study. Mm-hmm. And um, I, like I said, if, if especially if you love history, very fascinating. Yes. I think... We kind of touched on, um, I had said camaraderie a little bit, but um, another facet of camaraderie is I kind of feel like, I don't know if anyone else has done this, but if you go somewhere and you see that 
someone is probably eating like vegetarian or vegan or you know you look at them and they they probably aren't like real flashy dressers there's maybe they're not wearing like jewelry and they I don't know like they just I feel like Adventists kind of just have a look about them it's just we just different carry ourselves different we just look a little bit different we talk a little bit different um and so the one thing that I love about going back to the camaraderie is when you do meet another Adventist, like when you're out in public and you've never met before, it's kind of like alumni weekend. Like you're coming back, it's like a 10 year reunion. Even though you've never met, you have a common ground where you're just kind of like talking like, oh, what church do you go to? And I'm willing to bet you know at least one person or one family that's the same. It, it all stems down to everyone knows the game Six Degrees from Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I, I would guarantee you are at least six degrees or less from knowing an Adventist. Yes. Yeah, there's at least one. You may not even really know it yet, but there's at least one. Like, for instance, when we first moved down to Georgia, we were at the Mall of Georgia. We had just moved here. We're at the Mall of Georgia. We are at a, a place, a common coffee and tea place. And I was in line and there's people in front of me and I don't even know how it came up. I've been throwing references around everywhere and the best you can do is coffee and tea okay, place. We were at Starbucks. Okay, so we were at Starbucks and there was a mom and two girls in front of me. And all of a sudden I overheard them say Southern University or Southern Adventist University. And I was like, oh, you guys go to Southern? Turns out we all knew like Pastor Tabor. Uh And so it's just, it's a very small world. Like I said, we were at Mall of Georgia. We had just moved down here. I'd overheard their conversation. Like, I'm really sorry that I was eavesdropping, but I heard you say Southern. And so we talked about like what church we would like, you know, I said we were at Gainesville. They said they were... um, I can't what church they said that they were at, but it was an area Atlanta church, and it's just funny. Like you just well, and and that whole world gets even smaller <laughs> if you regularly regularly attend a camp meeting or have attended um, university a, a, or academy academy or university. Yes. I've talked to so many people because my mom went to Wisconsin Academy, and uh, you know. People out of state who their parents knew my parents. It's it's crazy. And it's a very small world. Well, now the new thing, too, is Desmond Dawes. So when we were at the um, the Chamber Chase, the 5K, doing our outreach, and we were passing out here of Hacksaw Ridge, I had mentioned how your grandfather knew Desmond Dawes. And people were like, really? They knew him? And I'm like... Yeah, he, he just, he was, he's from just a little bit north of here, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It's just funny. Like people are like, oh, wow. But yeah, the evidence world is very, very small. Yes. Um. Another thing that I love is, you know, I, I'm kind of an, I'm not even going to say kind of, I'm, I'm more of an anti-establishment person. Um. I just, like I said, it when you start putting rules into man's hands, it, it gets dicey. But it's I, true. She doesn't listen to my rules. <laughs> Stop. 
But um, I love that the Adventist, the Adventist church started out, and I, I would love for it to just remain a movement. I love that it was a movement, that it was putting faith in action. It was righteousness by faith. Um, so I love that it was a movement, that it was just something different. Um, like I said, it was, it, for me, it went back to the basics of being a disciple of Christ and what that actually means and learning as much as you can about the truth about God and sharing that with others. Mm-hmm. Well, cause you know, as you grow a church and you know, especially if you split off into multiple churches, you're forced to get a governing body because you need to have that benchmark mm-hmm. so that you stay constant. And then you start throwing in all the red tape. You have bylaws, you the have bureaucracy of it all, buildings and 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 whatnot. So, yes, the the bureaucracy. You have, uh, you know, now you elect presidents, and you know. And I agree to an extent you do need it, but it can hinder the message and the goal of the church. Mm-hmm. And what we're called to do is go out and evangelize. Right. And sometimes, unfortunately, the red tape can get in the way. It's very human to hang on to titles and and what we are and what we aren't. Exactly. And, and uh, the founding fathers of the Adventist church knew that which is why they wanted it to stay a movement and not move into a governing church right um one thing that i love about the adventist church is that the core beliefs point to the second advent of christ it's not we're we're going to point to something that benefits the church it's it's the the prize, the end of the race. It's, you know, Jesus all or nothing, Jesus all or nothing. So that's, that's one thing that I've always appreciated with the church. And I, going back to, um, the founding people of, of the church, um, Ellen White was a very ordinary person. She didn't come from wealth or higher education or, she she was i love that god chooses very humble people um and that's exactly ellen white ellen white was very humble um and he just man she just she loved jesus with her whole heart and all she wanted to do was just spread that message um throughout the rest of the world so that the rest of the world could have hope and um just truly believing that know advancing god's kingdom is is the main goal just pointing everyone to christ and and what an amazing living god that we serve you know and i i think this kind of all brings us to the main reason why we love the adventist church and that is the church preaches the truth yes um everything that is in our doctrines can be pointed back to the Bible. And that's just it. Like people ask like, well, what do the Adventists believe? And it's like, if it's in the Bible, we, we believe it. Everything that we believe is, is found in the Bible. There's not some weird rule that we came up with. That's not found in there. Every single thing that we believe is found in that sacred book. Yep. 
And, you know, we have books that we reference from uh, Ellen White and other um, other people within the church, but they all point back to the Bible. It's yeah. it's not, oh, take my word over the Bible. It, no, it's right. the Bible comes first. Right. I'm just here to offer it's some guidance. Supplement. It's a supplement. It's a supplement. Ellen White specifically said that it's a lesser light leading to the greater light. It's it's a supplement. Exactly. And, and it's just know. there to to bring about a little bit more relevant meaning. It's just kind of a little bit more of like a a side dish or an appetizer to the main course of Absolutely. The and to expound on the truth, you know, one of the doctrines of the church which is a doctrine of the Bible, the Sabbath. It's the fourth commandment, and it's the only commandment that says remember. Remember the seventh day to keep it holy. And a lot of people have either not learned that or or forgotten it, but it is a prime doctrine. I mean, it's it's in our name, Seventh-day Adventist. Mm -hmm. So... I, I love the the whole basis of it. It's, you know, six days you can do whatever you want, work, but on the seventh day you rest. You mm-hmm. rest and you reflect on, on, on God. You know, God made the Sabbath for man and, and hallowed it. And it, it's until someone truly sits down and recognizes the Sabbath and actually experiences the joy that it can bring, it, you just you just don't understand it. Right. It's a, it's joy, it's it's rest, it's restoration. It's and when I it's not just us resting, we don't make other people work as well. It's a rest for anyone who comes in contact with us. We don't go to the store and, and purchase things because it's causing another person to work. We don't go out to restaurants because you're making another person work. It's it's not just us resting. It's anyone who comes in contact with us. It brings rest. Absolutely. And, and you know, as a kid, I didn't enjoy it as much. Because, That's because as a kid, you're told you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you well, can't yeah, do this. And... Exactly. It, it was a lot of... Lloyd legalist telling me what I can and can't do, <laughs> but I didn't have a job. Um, obviously, I, I went to school, but you know there was a lot of things that I had. You know, for instance, I played sports, so it was a lot of no, oh, you can't play sports on the Sabbath. And by the time I was in high school, I understood that and made that choice for myself. And it was a tremendous witnessing tool because mm-hmm. all my friends knew I wasn't going to be playing any sports Friday night, you know, until sundown Saturday. And like I said, it wasn't until I actually had a full-time job and realized the Man, I work hard all week. Exactly. You work hard all week, and <laughs> yeah. it's nice to be able to sit down and breathe. And the the Sabbath was, was one of those days that you could do that. Yeah. And you just, I mean, like, for us, it's, 
when you, you know, I didn't grow up an Adventist and, and you grew up, I mean, like you guys, you weren't hardcore Adventist your whole life. So now it's trying to teach our children and not necessarily, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. We have special activities for Sabbath. We have special, you know, games and, and special uh, little videos and, and music. Like, we try to make Sabbath as special as we can for them so they look forward to it. So it's not a burden for them because I never want them to feel like it's a day that they're missing out on anything. I want them to look forward to Sabbath. Like, I cannot, you know, like, you know what, it's Wednesday and yeah, I can... You know, I can play ball out or, you know, do whatever outside, like, that it's work. But I cannot wait for Sabbath where I could just do these special things and have time with family where we're, we're having fun and we're sharing, you know, stories about Jesus together and going for nature hikes. And I just, you know, when you... It's it's all it's an experience. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Sabbath a time. should be a joyful experience. Exactly, and it's a time not only to commune with your family, but to commune with your friends. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've gotten to know more people from just hanging out with them on Saturdays than than I would during the week because you know you're you're distracted. You can't stay out too late because you got to get up early for work, and you know. You don't have that time during the day where you can just sit down and, and sometimes talk to people and, and even talk to God. For me, it's it's the closest that I'll get to heaven on earth. Like, it's just a 24-hour period where I can just sit at the feet of Jesus and I just spend time with him, mm-hmm. learn more about him, just kind of bask in his glory and, and not have to worry about, you know, everything everything else fades away. The rest of the world just fades away and, and Jesus just becomes more clear. And so for me, it's this side of heaven. It's, it's the closest thing that I'll get to him. Absolutely. And so like going into truth, um, for, and Josh, I don't know if you want to talk about this a little bit more. Um, you probably know a little bit more about it, but, um, because our, our pastors preach from the Bible and it's very biblically based and it's based in truth and grace. Um, if you want to talk a little bit about how our pastors are paid, I think it's really special. Um, well, you, you take a look at some of the, what we've called mega churches. Mega church. Sunday, and, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> and, Sorry. you know, a lot of these guys... You know, some, you know, I've, I've studied a few of them, and I'm not going to name names, um, but some have refused to take salaries because they make so much money off of endorsements and other things. Book deals. And- uh, some own their own airplanes, not airplane, Learjets, <laughs> um, fly all over the country every week. And, you know, to an extent, if that's the way that you feel God has called you, you know, to, to each their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not how I would plan on spending my time, but that's my own personal personal thought. But there are a lot of churches out there that basically what comes in as offering and tithe 
is basically your bonus. You get to take a cut out of that. That's what pays the pastor. So the more money you bring in, the more money you get paid. So the problem with that, like I said, I, I don't I don't say and bewilder anybody because they make a lot of money, but you have to look at what drives that. If you're truly preaching a message that's supposed to make people uneasy to make a decision for Christ, you're probably going to be losing some people at some point. So if your main goal is to bring an offering, you're probably preaching an easy message, a feel-good message that may possibly not be what people are supposed to hear it's it's dangerous it's um it's a very dangerous quote-unquote security net it but it's not i mean like for me no one likes to hear what they're doing wrong or well let's um, be constructive honest. criticism or we're human we're terrible human beings but nobody wants to hear that because no if you hear that week in and week out and that you're a terrible sinner and you need to repent, well, eventually you're going to go someplace that makes you feel good. And it, it's all about balance. It shouldn't always be, you're doing great, keep going. You're, you know, just God's going to bless you if you give us this much money. And, you know, it's just a very slippery slope. Or on the other side, you can't constantly preach brimstone and fire because you can either one desensitize people or two scare them so much that they they run away from god because they think of god as this vicious tyrant and god is not a vicious tyrant he's you know people always want to look at quote unquote old testament god and it's like the god of the new testament is the same as the as the old testament god jesus is the the perfect image of of God the Father. And so when you look at Jesus and you see his compassion, you see his grace, you see his mercy, but you see that he looked at people and he said, go and sin no more. He still was preaching truth to people. He still told people that they, they need to repent. They need to turn from their sinful ways. There was a change that needed to happen, but he didn't point to them and say, you're despicable. You know, Jesus is the perfect example of, of what we all need to do like in our lives and how we are to, to act and, and react with others. And so when you look at Jesus, you see that he's not Mr. Feelgood, and you see that he's not Mr. Brimstone and Fire. He's, I love you, and I want you to keep my commandments because I love you. He's that, you know, when you look at a parent, and for all you parents out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You want your children to follow the rules because you want them to be safe and you love them. You don't want them to get hurt. You don't want them to suffer. But you know that sometimes they need to make their own decision to learn. But you're still going to be there to help pick them up. And you're still going to embrace them and love them. God is the same. Our Heavenly Father is the same way. He wants to embrace us when we mess up. You know, when you look at Christ on the cross, his arms are wide open. You know, he's he's there to embrace. And so when we constantly 
preach one message or the other, there's a lot of people that fall through the cracks. But we need to preach truth. And you need to do it with grace. And you need to do it with love. And as long as you do it in a very loving manner, but you can't just toe the line, you know what I mean? And just tell people, well, you're doing okay. You know, people do need to learn that they, they do need to repent. It's like my, my friend who's homeless and pregnant, I'm not going to beat around the bush and tell her that everything's going to be okay. All I can do is point to her and say, this is what the Bible says. These are the promises that God has for you. Whether you're going to see them here on earth or not, I don't know. But just have faith and trust him. And one day, everything will be okay. But I can't promise you that it's going to happen here. But just hold on. Just hold fast to Christ. And, and that's the most important thing. And so it's it becomes a slippery slope when we keep telling people that, you know, you're, you're doing great. You're doing all right. Because we're not. Look at the world around us. We're, we're not. But it brings in more tithe money. <laughs> and, and that goes to the second half of, of what I was getting to is in the Adventist church, all the pastors are paid the same. So that, that allows... You know, knowing what, you know, that they're going to be paid the same salary no matter what they preach, then they can preach some of those sermons that are supposed to be thought provoking. There's pruning. There's, there's pruning. There's, that there's needs pruning. To happen. Yeah. Exactly. And, and they're not sitting there just trying to, you know, whether they have a church of 30 people or 300 people, you know, they're going to be making the same amount. And they don't have to worry about preaching a feel-good message to try to keep the, you know, you want to keep people in the church. Don't try to misunderstand what I'm saying here, but you don't have to be a fire. (laughs) You don't have to be afraid of the occasional fire and brimstone message that's supposed to lead people to Christ. And usually, the people that I'll say usually, even though I believe it's. You know, most, if not all the time, the people who need the fire and brimstone message are not the people that are walking to your, into your church that you call a sinner. It's those self-righteous, haughty, holy people. Those are the ones that actually need the fire and brimstone message. Because when you look at the story of the prodigal son and you look at the older son, that's those people. The older son are those... Do you know what I'm saying? Like, they're those haughty, oh, I I got it all together. I come to church every Sabbath, and I keep God's commandments. And, well, you know, it's kind of prideful right there. You know what I mean? So the fire and brimstone messages, like, a lot of people think of it as being for, you know, those quote-unquote sinners that come into the church. But we all... We all fall short of the glory of God. We all sin. We all have some repenting to do. And we're all in need of God's love. So 
but I mean, two other uh, we can go into. I'm glad you mentioned that about like, you know, they, they don't have to worry so much about the message that they're preaching because the, the income is the same. They don't have to worry about that. Um, but two other things, the truths about our church is, first of all, we talked about the Sabbath. Um, and the other one is the state of the dead. Um, and for me, once again, growing up, not being Adventist, um, there's, there's a misunderstanding amongst most people about the state of the dead. Um, and so when I found out the truth about the state of the dead, and because I was told, you know, your grandma's looking down on you, and she's in heaven, she's not in pain anymore. And when I hear your grandma's looking down on you, I hear, oh, great. So every single time I do something that she wouldn't approve of, you know, she's arms are crossed, foot's tapping, you know, she's disappointed in me. So when I started coming to the Adventist church and I learned the truth about the state of the dead and how, um, how it's the death, death is sleeping. And once you take breath away from the body, that spirit goes back to God, but it's not in the state of the persons in heaven. The dead know nothing. The Bible is very clear that the dead know nothing. And so when I found out that my grandmother is not in heaven, she's not looking down on me, um, that she is sleeping until Christ returns, not only did that give me peace because I don't have to worry about what my grandmother is doing in heaven and you know, I just wondered, like, how could that really be heaven for my grandmother if she's looking down on me and disappointed in the things that I do? And how is it fair that some people are in heaven longer than others? And when I learned the truth about death, it made complete sense to me. For the first time in my life, I didn't have to be afraid of death anymore. Like, I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid of the way that I'm going to die, but I'm not afraid of death. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, you know, you just think of different circumstances, but I mean, I'm not afraid of death. And I know that I'm, you know, I can't say I know. I have a blessed hope that I'm going to see my grandmother again. I know that my, my grandmother believed in Jesus. And as, you know, like I just pray that I'm under his, and under his grace that I'm able to, to stand in that day. Um, and so just hearing about the truth about the state of the dead was just, it was a release for me. It was a burden I didn't have to carry anymore. And it was finally something that made sense to me. I didn't have to question anymore. And there you go. Uh, that. Can I add one more thing that I that I didn't even think of is another thing that I love about the Adventist churches. Go right ahead. Is church planting. I love that there's a focus on church planting. It's not, you know, like really good true churches are. We don't allow churches to become mega churches. Yes, I love that. I love that it branches out and you look for a place that is needing a. Uh, a facility that can can house people that they can pray together and and reach their community and share the gospel and do discipleship and do evangelism. I love that our church 
gets church planting. I love that. I wish that more Adventists would learn more um, and embrace church planting. Because I know for some people it's very scary. Like, well, I don't, I don't want to split up the church. And what if we lose this person and this person and we split up, you know, like our how good we are in this and we miss musicians or whatever. Like, you just have to let the Lord lead. And um, church planting is... I just can't say enough about it. it, especially when it happens in a healthy environment and it happens in a healthy way. Um, I love that our our church, when they're healthy and they're, they're doing the right thing, they look at church planting and they're like, we need to meet the needs of this community and this community and this community. So I just wanted to add that, that I love that our church is focused on that. So there you go. There are... <laughs> 10 things now, uh, <laughs> 10 reasons, uh, but not limited to uh, why we love the Adventist church. So that was, list. It, it is a pretty good list. And it, it really was kind of thought provoking because I was like, I, I know I love my church, but I, I mean, you have to pinpoint exactly why I see, you know, I put myself on the spot. And please, if, if, if you, I would love to hear what you love about the Adventist Church. Absolutely. Uh, anyone listening, send it to projectrisecast at gmail.com. And, uh, or if you have any questions yeah, about questions, the Adventist Church. Yeah, we'll, questions, we'll, whatever. We have no shame. We'll, re, we'll read your stuff on the air. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Ask Josh. Yeah, ask Josh, ask Connie. Uh, if you have a uh, a tender bit that you would like Connie please. to read, please send it on. I love the tearjerkers. I love them. There you go. Get so, me in the fields. That's your job, people. Get <laughs> get her in the fields. <laughs> um. Well, we have a, a a busy couple of weeks. Um. We'll, we'll try to fit some extra podcasts in here so that we can release them uh, more frequently than we have been able to. Uh, I am out of town this weekend on business. Boo. Hey, Connie's not happy. That That's a <laughs> tearjerker tear for Connie in a different way. Mm. And uh, the following weekend, we have a camp out with our adventure club. That's right. It's camping. So... No cell phones. We're actually not going to be out that far in the boonies, but I like to use camping as an excuse to turn off electronic devices. Absolutely. And sit around and stare at a fire all night. Some after the, after the kids songs. go to bed. Yeah. Kids go to bed at nine. It's so be a good time. Exactly. So we're looking forward to that. Um, we do this. Uh, this is our second annual adventure camp out for those of you that don't know what adventurers are it's ages four four to about ten four to about ten uh before they go into pathfinders so it's uh it's basically another way for families to um spend time with their their children learn about jesus yes learn about jesus and uh earn merit badges do fun stuff do fun stuff learn about jesus Exactly. So um, that's our next couple of weeks. So um, I don't think we're going to go into 
what our next podcasts are because yeah. we seem to um we let the spirit lead yeah we we do a lot of audibling lately so mm-hmm. we'll, omaha we'll try, omaha <laughs> we'll, we'll try to stay on the uh, the positive ring for a little bit here so but um I don't know. Do you have anything more to say, Connie? I don't have anything else. Like I said, just if you have any questions or comments or hit us up. And once again, it, um, a lot of the stories will be like I am second. Some of the stuff will be um, posting on our on, Facebook page. On our Facebook page. So be sure to check those out. Facebook.com slash rise for that is the number four Jesus. Well, that sums up episode seven. Um, we would love to hear from you guys. Um, again, projectrisecast at gmail.com. Uh, until next time, we uh, hope that everyone has a pleasant week. And um, rise up, get out, and uh, find out why you like your church. Ooh. And let us know. And let us know. We'll see you next time for episode eight. Goodbye. Good night.